0: Would you take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to John chapter 3, John chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 22 through 30, and a message I've entitled, He Must Increase. He Must Increase. Read along with me. Um, I'll read out loud. You just follow along until we get to verse 30. When we get to verse 30, if you would read that aloud with me. John chapter three and verse 22. I thank Pastor Redland for giving me this opportunity tonight. And I'm honored and privileged every time I get an opportunity to speak. And I pray this passage will be a blessing to you. After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Anon near Salim because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized for John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth and all men come to him. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. Say verse 30 with me, please. He must increase, but I must decrease. Once again, he must increase, but I decrease must decrease. We all know what the word must means. The word must speaks of an imperative imperative need or duty, an imperative need or duty, an indispensable item, a necessity, an obligation, a requirement. I must get to work on time. I must brush my teeth if I plan to keep them, amen. I must pay my taxes amen or oh me on that one I must I must stop at this exit or I'm going to run out of gas we all know what a must is how many of you have ignored a must to your own detriment would you admit that tonight you've ignored a must to your own detriment speaking of getting gas one time I was driving the car and uh, down the road and needed gas in the car The, the the dial was on red And my wife said, you better stop at this exit or we might run out of gas. And I said, oh, it'll go 17 more miles past the red. How many of you know what happened to me? I ran out of gas. Married men, the moral is you must listen to your wife. And I did not. John 3 and verse 30 is... The divine must of ministry. It's the divine imperative of all ministry. He that is God, Jesus, must increase, I must decrease. He must increase, I must decrease. First of all, I want you to consider that ministry itself is an imperative for all believers. All the believers have a course... A course given to them by God and all believers on that course should have a ministry. Some way that they advance the work of the Lord and increase his kingdom and represent him on the earth. So ministry itself is a must. And then in our ministry, he must increase. We must decrease. If our work for the Lord is to be effective, then the attention needs to go away from us and to the Lord Away from us and our talents, our abilities, our position, our place, our importance, what people think about us. Instead, the attention should increasingly go to Jesus, his glory, his praise, his preeminence, his work in the world. John understood this. John the Baptist had it right when he said, he must increase. He said to his disciples, he must increase, I must decrease. Let's delve into that further tonight with three simple points from the story. First of all, I want you to notice from the story the concurrency of ministry. Notice in the account, the concurrency of ministry. Jesus and John were doing the same thing. They were doing the same thing. Look at verse 22 again. After these things came Jesus and his disciples in the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. So Jesus was baptizing Verse 23, and John also was baptizing in Anan near to Salim. No, I, I know that, that John had a unique ministry for sure, but let's just notice that the same kind of ministry was going on at the same time in different locations, but the same kind of ministry. John was preaching, Jesus was preaching. John was baptizing, Jesus was baptizing. John was working for the kingdom. Jesus was working for the kingdom. Jesus was working with John. John was working for Jesus. And so the concurrency of this ministry, the essence of ministry for all of us, is that we are working with Jesus. We are working for Jesus. We are doing exactly what he would do. In fact, he is doing uh, his work through us. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Bible says he came. His main purpose was to seek and to save lost people. Then he said this to his disciples in John 20, verse 21. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. I was sent to seek and to save lost people, and as the Father has sent me, so send I you. So we should be doing the work of Jesus. All of us in the room should be doing the work of Jesus. We should be fulfilling the great commission. We should preach the gospel. win souls disciple them, teach them, just as Jesus did, we should do. Here are four four faults that keep us from fulfilling our calling in this regard. Four faults I would like you to consider, and I'm speaking to myself tonight. There's the, the fault of fear. We are simply afraid of rejection. And so we, we, we don't witness like we should and give out the gospel because we're afraid. I've been there. We, we, uh, we experience the fault of pride. You see, the, the fault of fear may be hiding something deeper and than then just fear itself. There's a deeper cause of self-consciousness, which is a subtle form of pride. So it's simply pride. We're too focused on ourselves. So fear and pride and apathy. We may lack a, an eternal vision. We're apathetic. We we don't care like we should about lost souls. I know what would cure that. If we could just crack open the earth and take a peek at hell for one minute, we'd be cured of apathy. And the last one is prejudgment. Prejudgment. In fact, we look at people, and this has happened to me. Um, on um, more than one occasion, more than I want to admit, where I look at someone and I say, I don't think they would listen, so, and I talk myself out of it. In fact, I just shared this story with the Mission Prayer Band at uh, Pensacola Christian College. I admire Mission Prayer Band. They meet on Monday night, and they hear mission presentations, and then they pray for missionaries. They have a heart for missions, and they asked me to speak And this last week, and uh, there was a, I, I was amazed how many were there. It was, it was a blessing. And I told this story to them, and I'll tell it to you tonight. I was asked to speak here. This was back when I was in another ministry. And I was asked to speak here for a youth event. Now, I can't remember the exact youth event. I don't know if it was a youth retreat or, or back-to-school bash or whatever. I can't remember the exact event. But I, I remember I was asked to come down here and speak at a youth event. And I had to fly. And I get on the plane, and uh, there's three seats in the row there. And God puts me uh, next to two young men, okay? And so I'm sitting next to these two young men and uh, I hate to admit this, for, but for half an hour, I was talking myself out of talking to them. I looked over them, they looked real rough, if you know what I mean, and they were talking and I heard their conversation and they just looked like they wouldn't listen. And I, I just, I, I, I hate to admit it. In fact, some of you are looking very disappointed at me already. Uh, uh, I haven't finished the story stay with me okay but I just I just I just I was talking myself out of. It. I said oh they're not gonna listen and the Holy Spirit was speaking to me it was it was so so real and and uh so loud it was almost audible and here's what here's what the Holy Spirit was saying in a sense to me Tim you hypocrite You're, how bad is this? You're going down to speak at a youth event. I put you next to two youth and you won't even talk to them. And so after half an hour, I finally gave in and I said, okay, Holy Spirit, okay, I'll say something. So I looked over and I said, where are you guys going? They said, we're going to spring break. I go, great. Yeah, we're going down to Pensacola to spring break. Then they said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm a Baptist preacher going to speak at a youth conference. I love to say that, you know, something like that, because it just dulls the conversation right there. People look, they always look at you like, you know, the wheels are turning. What did I just say a few minutes ago that you heard? You know, and he's looking at me. And I waited for this response. There was this long, awkward pause. And then one of the guys goes, yeah, great. He goes, the Bible, Jesus, heaven and hell. I've always wondered about that. Could you tell me? I said, I think I could. Yeah, he said, I've always wondered about that. Could you tell me about that? I said, I think so. <laughs> so i reach in my back, pull out my Bible, start talking. I share with these guys the gospel. They were listening, both of them. I went through the whole plan of salvation. I answered their questions as best I could. At the end, um, I told them that you need to make a decision to receive Christ. They weren't ready to do that. They said, we're not ready for that, but thank you for answering our questions. That, we're so thankful. We, we learned something. And we're glad we sat by you. Wow we got up to leave and as I was leaving the plane I feel a tap on my shoulder by the way I gave those guys a couple tracks before they walked out so I gave them some tracks and explained what the tracks were and then as I'm walking out I feel this tap on my shoulder and there's a lady behind me goes I heard the whole thing would you give me one of those tracks the Holy Spirit put those guys right there for me to talk to and the lady behind me and who who knows how else because I have a loud voice maybe the whole plane heard it praise God (laughs) and because of fear and pride apathy prejudgment we we don't do what we should the work of Jesus that's our work the work of Jesus Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 16, the end of the verse, necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. So the concurrency of ministry, let's notice number two, the controversy of ministry, the controversy, controversy in ministry, yes, it's right there. Here we we go, look at verses 25 through 28. So John had disciples, he had followers, Jesus had followers, and there's this controversy. Verse 25, then there arose a question, we could insert the word controversy, there it is. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. Hey, they saw John baptizing and they understood the cleansing rituals under the old covenant, the purifying rituals. So John was baptizing, Jesus was baptizing, so there's this controversy. Here it is, verse 26. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same is, I'm paraphrasing, he's baptizing too. What's he doing over there? You're baptizing, so is he. And, And not only that, everybody's going over to hear him. all men come to him. John, your ministry is dwindling. Everybody's going to hear this new guy. That's what he said. Look at John's response. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. Let me paraphrase that for you. These disciples were jealous and John responded by simply saying this, our position is, or my position, my place, my supposed success, any results I have in my ministry are all gifts from God. Anything I have, I've been given. If God is using me in any way, it's because God is doing the work. I've settled this in my heart. I hope you have as well. And that is, I'm just gonna do my best and leave the rest with the Lord. I may speak and many people listen. I may speak and a few listen. Peter spoke at Pentecost and thousands listened. Isaiah and Jeremiah spoke and nobody listened. It's God's work. God is drawing people. God is doing the work. I'm just going to do my part. Sow the seed. Speak the word. Be faithful in the work that God has called me to do. And God is pleased with that. He's pleased with that. John said, I'm not not trying to make a name for myself. I'm not trying to do someone else's work. I don't, it doesn't matter to me how how, how, in a sense, how big the crowd is. I may be, I'm preparing for someone else's work. I'm becoming a background figure for someone else's ministry. That's all fine with me. We're all working together. We're on the same team. There's no competition here. Men. No competition it's not about me it's not about me which leads me to my last point tonight the concurrency of ministry we see that John and Jesus were doing the same thing the controversy of ministry but John solved that when he said everything I have is a gift from God and it's not about me anyway and last of all the character of ministry look at verse 29 and 30 we'll focus on this Verse 29 and 30, he that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. John is saying here that humility is the essential character trait of all ministry. It should be the model of our ministry. He must increase, I must decrease. Peter wrote this be clothed in humility. He wrote to all believers be clothed in humility. When you get up in the morning and you put your clothes on, put on humility as well. Pray against your selfish spirit, pray against your selfish pride. Humble yourself, put on humility. Clothe yourself in humility. And then he says this. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. God God works against the proud. God, God stops their ministry, thwarts their work. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. In the next verse he said this. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. That he may exalt you in due time. And so John, John is saying, hey, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. He must increase. I must decrease. In particular, John is talking about a diminished role in his ministry. John would pass off the scene. Jesus would take the forefront. And so John specifically in this context is saying, all the attention should go to Jesus. All the crowds are going there. Great. That's where the crowd should go. All the attention should go to Jesus, not me. He's the groom at the wedding. I'm just the friend of the groom. The ceremony is about him. The cake is for him. And the reception is for him. Let's picture we're at a great wedding, okay? Let's picture we're at a great wedding, okay? All of us are attending this great wedding. And uh, we see the wedding party up there. And there's the best man. And instead of standing next to the groom, as he should, the best man is standing in front of the groom. And you're like, would somebody tell him to get out of the way? We can't see the groom. What is he saying? What is he doing? So he's standing right in front of the groom. Then we notice that the the best man is inserting himself in every picture. There's the bride and the best man. The bride and groom, the best man. The bride's family, the best man. The groom's Like somebody get this guy out of the pictures. Then it comes to the reception and he stands up to lead the reception and spends 30 minutes talking about himself. Now somebody can't take it any longer, and they stand up and say, Somebody tell this guy to sit down and be quiet. It's not about you. It's not about you. John said, I'm I'm the friend of the bridegroom. I'm not the groom. My greatest joy, he says in verse 29, my greatest joy is to hear Jesus' voice, to see Jesus' work. If I can just get out of the way, well, then Jesus can do his work. Listen, folks, pride is the greatest barrier to experiencing the fullest work of God in our life and his best blessing. Here's the problem with pride it's hard to detect it's one of the hardest sins to detect why because we become so accustomed to our prideful habits that they're almost imperceptible it reminds me of those Febreze ads where they say people have gone nose blind they don't even know their own smell you got this teenager in his room with his big smelly sock and he doesn't smell it And so uh, Febreze says, the the ad says you spray Febreze and you won't smell it any longer. Uh, This guy, he doesn't even know his own smell. We're the same way. I find it interesting in my own life that I can detect it in others. I can smell the smell in other people. I can notice pride in others and I have a hard time noticing it in myself. What is the sin that started all sin in the heart of Satan? Everyone, pride. What was the first sin in the list of abominable sins in Proverbs 6? Pride. Pride is the first sin. Pride is the worst sin. It's the first sin. It's the worst sin. What's the middle letter in the word sin, everyone? What's the middle letter in the word pride? We have an eye problem, don't we? That's why we must get up every day, pray against our selfish spirit, and put on humility so that we can serve the Lord well. Pride will make us smell to others. It ruins our work. Pride will make a mess of our marriages. Pride will make a mess of our ministries. Pride will weaken our witness for Christ. Here are some ways that pride can sneak into our ministry. Did a little study this week, and this was convicting to me. And, and, uh, but I hope it's a blessing to all of us as we seek to avoid these things in our ministry as we serve the Lord. All right, this is not an exhaustive list, but let's consider these. Here are some ways that pride can sneak into our ministries. Number one, we refuse to listen and learn. We become unteachable. We promote ourselves and talk about ourselves all the time. We become defensive and resist correction. We lack compassion for those who struggle. We talk down to people and demean them. Folks, that has no place in any church ministry or any Christian ministry. We should never talk in a demeaning fashion to each other. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. That has no part in any ministry whatsoever. But we talk down to people, we demean them. We justify sin in one area of our life because of faithfulness in another. We say, I can have this splurge over here. Look, all that I'm doing for God over here. And because of pride, we justify sin. We take credit instead of sharing it. We become overly critical. We don't raise up others or delegate to others. We try to do everything ourselves because the ministry needs us. We become easily offended. You know why we're so quickly offended? Pride. And last of all, we start depending on self to produce results instead of absolute dependence on God. That's the big one. We know we're acting pridefully when we say, I think I got this. I've been doing this for years. I don't need God today. I think I can do this myself. Pastor Redland leads us in a book study every week, the pastoral staff, and he chooses a book and we study it together, read a chapter a week and discuss it. It's one, it's one of the wonderful blessings of our pastoral team to get together on Tuesday morning and, and read and study and talk. And so the book we're working on now is Absolute Surrender by Andrew Murray. Listen to these uh, citations from chapter five that we just recently studied. He wrote this. Let us receive this as the first great lesson in the spiritual life. It is impossible for me, my God. He's talking about the whole Christian life. It is impossible for me, my God. Let there be an end of the flesh in all its power, an end of self. And let it be my glory to be helpless. I like that last line. Let it be my glory to be helpless. And then he says this at the end of chapter 5. We must humbly pray, almighty God, I claim thy almightiness. God, if you don't work for me and through me today and with me, it's not going to get done. I am not sufficient for this work. I need you. I need you. I totally depend on you. I'm calling for an end of self. And the strength of the flesh And I claim your almightiness today. I want to do the work in your power so that you will increase. I decrease. David said in Psalm 70, let such as love thy salvation say continually. Let God be magnified. And that is our spirit. That is our spirit. It's a humble spirit that we pray for every day. May God be magnified through me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thank you for listening tonight. Let's make that the motto of our ministry. He must increase, I must decrease.